Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey, everyone. This is Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I am joined by a professor from the University of Toronto, Cameron Esmaili. And Cameron, how are you today? I'm good, uh, Brian. Thank you for having me. Ah, absolutely, and hopefully I pronounced your last name correctly. It's okay, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> Esmaili, yeah. That's okay. Esmaili, yeah. 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 Cameron, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and your education. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I have a bachelor um, degree in uh, mining engineering uh, and, and my, I, I obtained also my master degree uh, in mining from, from Iran, uh, graduated in nineteen ninety-seven from the University of Tehran. Uh, then I, after graduation, I uh, I, uh, I did uh, some some consulting work, and also uh, I was a, uh, an instructor at University of Kurdistan uh, in near my uh, hometown in Iran and west of Iran. Uh, and then in 2005, I moved to Canada to uh, continue my uh, education, uh, and uh, I. Did my PhD at Laval University in uh, Quebec City in in, uh, in Canada. So uh, during my PhD, uh, I focused on mainly on uh, rock engineering. Uh, my my uh, project was uh, on degradation of uh, ore pass systems in in underground mines. As you know, the uh, ore passes uh, are typically used for transferring uh, materials from upper levels to lower levels before they, they, they basically they put them in the skip, uh, in the shaft. So, and they are very susceptible to uh, expansion, degradation over the life, uh, life of line. Uh, and uh, we, we looked at this uh, problem uh, and we Looked at the uh, different uh, uh, contributors to, to the uh, to the degradation of warfare systems, such as uh, the effect of stresses, structures, and also the impact from rock boulders. Uh, we, uh, it was at the same time uh, a, a new uh, kind of a, a more advanced numerical model was was developed, uh, which is uh, which is called. Uh, Synthetic rock mass approach. Uh, so uh, I had the, uh, the the opportunity to adopt this uh, this synthetic rock mass approach in my in my PhD uh, project and and try to kind of uh, simulate the uh, material transfer in ore pass system and see the impact of material transfer 
on the uh, on damage that can that can cause on the on or pass uh, or pass surface. Uh, yeah. the, the study was uh, was done uh, uh, based on information I collected in an underground mine in Canada, a Brunswick mine. Uh, so for that reason, I spent uh, about uh, uh, eight months uh, in New Brunswick uh, working the mine to collect my data. So that was a very useful experience. Uh, after graduation, in I graduated in 2010 and then um, started working for Golder Associates in Montreal office um, as a uh, basically a rock mechanics expert and uh, involved in many different uh, uh, projects uh, in North America, South America, and also in some project in Africa. So did lots of lots of uh, projects uh, on uh, feasibility studies and, and so on. Yeah, that's that's before uh, deciding to come back to academia, <laughs> like uh, yeah. exactly. So in 2000, 2012, uh, I uh, I accepted the, uh, uh, the the offer from the University of Toronto to join as a assistant professor. Uh, uh, with the Department of Civil and Mineral Engineering and uh, La Sonde Institute of Mining. Hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, since uh, 2012, uh, I'm, I'm here in the Department of Civil and Mineral Engineering teaching uh, courses uh, mainly related to uh, surface mining, uh, uh, capstone mine design, and uh, mine to mill process optimization. Oh, okay. And since we're recording this during the pandemic, is is your teaching experience um, is it is it going well enough with the restrictions we all have? Yeah, it's it has significantly affected uh, the the teaching and the way we are teaching. So it's been almost a year now that we have switched to this uh, like online uh, remote uh, delivery of courses. It has its, its uh, pros and cons, I could say, but, uh, you know, the pros is that, yeah, we are not commuting <laughs> to, to the campus. That's uh, like we are, because Toronto is a big city, so yeah, we saved some time. But the, 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 I, I could say the, uh, the cons is that, uh, you know, the, the interaction with students has been limited. So the face-to-face interaction uh, is something else you you know it's the, the body language and the, uh, the facial uh, expression and and so on so you, you you don't have this in the in the online delivery of the courses yeah most most, most of these students they, they they don't turn on their their cameras and uh, they even they, 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 sometimes they don't even turn on their their mics so they just sometimes when you ask question they they, they just type it on, on the chat so it's it's a bit difficult plus you know all the uh, problems that you might have with uh, tech use of technology so from one platform to another yeah 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 i've i've kind of come across the same challenges i've given a few lectures um just over these kind of platforms and it's very strange not to have any kind of immediate feedback when you exactly when you when you say uh, uh, something that you might think is clever exactly you don't know if, if the message has been has been well yeah. transferred and yeah yeah, you, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's difficult 
Yeah, it's uh, the pandemic certainly is making people think differently. And I just entered into the PhD program at New Mexico Tech, who now has a 100% virtual learning platform for this uh, um, minerals engineering PhD program. So we'll see how that goes. Interesting. We are also thinking about something something similar uh, for graduate level developing graduate level courses in uh, at uh, at University of Toronto, and I'm leading this uh, this program. Uh, we did a, a survey last year, a global survey, which I, I uh, published it in uh, in SME Mining Journal as well, and and also in CIM. Good. So we got a good feedback from from people who are in the industry. Uh, and they, they don't want to quit their job, but they want to get a certificate in, from a particular course, or they, they are they are they, they are interested to learn a, a something very special. So we got some some good feedback, you know, about the, what kind of courses they are looking for and what kind of skills they want to develop. And we are cur- currently working on these uh, these courses. Uh, we have uh, prioritized those uh, that are in. in higher demand so oh that's 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 great and i i I could maybe point out that i got my master's degree at the university of alberta it's been a few years but just economically it was much more uh financially easy uh, lower prices in canada in general than in the u.s so if somebody's thinking about pursuing something like that then uh looking into the university of toronto would make a lot of sense for sure and and uh, on top of that like uh, c- continuous education because now even for the professional engineers this kind of uh, continuous uh, education is is a requirement so yeah yeah that's right and taking a, pla- yeah, taking take, a course and get a yeah. certificate and yeah and i think uh, that's 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 become even more important yeah that's, that's uh, online platforms yeah yeah and Cameron, I, I really wanted to talk to you about an extended abstract that appeared in the I'm looking at the month of March 2001 Mining Engineering Magazine, and the title of it is "Hall Road Monitoring in Open Pit Mines Using Unmanned Aerial Vehicles: A Case Study at Bald Mountain Mine Site." And just the title of it is really intriguing. Of uh, why you would use the unmanned aerial vehicles, what they tell you, uh, how come you would use them instead of cameras or just uh, operators, verbal reports or... Uh, so how, how did the idea of this come to you? Yeah, um, so uh, I, I could say that that was um, started uh, like uh, five, six years ago. Uh, uh, when uh, uh, I, I really, uh, you know, based on the, uh, the uh, experience I had from, from uh, consulting projects that I was doing, I, I noticed that we, we, are, we are not doing a, a good job in terms of uh, uh, process monitoring and, uh, and uh, collecting data. So it's been, the, the, it's been very discontinuous, intermittent uh, process. Uh, when we are collecting data, we are when we are monitoring a mining operation, and therefore uh, the decision making uh, have been based on partial information and and sometimes missing facts. 
so that's that has a significant impact on the mineral resource management. Uh, so that's why I thought with more and more mining industry becomes you know complex in terms of different uh, in using different uh, technologies. Uh, so we need something to help us to uh, to basically uh, collect. Uh, data in, in a higher temporal and spatial with a higher temporal and spatial resolution in order to make timely and efficient uh, decision basically yeah so, uh, and uh, when I was looking at uh, different possible technologies uh, so I noticed that you know UAV and unmanned technology uh, unmanned aerial vehicle technology uh, at, at that time has advanced uh, significantly uh, you know and uh, we, we, we we could see the uh, the application in, in in different fields such as uh, you know military or, or even in the uh, other other kind of in, industries uh, but uh, there wasn't so much uh, you know applications in in mining so that was the idea that how we could uh, use this technology with uh, remote sensing combined with machine learning and, and uh, computer vision uh, so that we can we can improve this this whole process of data collection and decision making and uh, that's that's how the the whole whole thing was was triggered and then uh, uh, at the time with the with the help of one of my colleague uh, who is uh, uh, in the field of uh, was working in the field of uh, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles. Uh, so we put together a proposal uh, that was supported by uh, some mining companies, including uh, Ken Russ Gold and, and McEwen Mining, uh, which uh, basically we try to to uh, target different different objectives in terms of uh, using UAV uh, and uh, remote sensing. For uh, one was uh, the uh, monitoring the blasting process uh, including the uh, pre-blast location uh, uh, blasting process itself and and post-blast what's happening and and how we can collect this information uh, quickly and and provide a feedback to to blast design engineer to to improve the, the whole uh, the whole process uh, such as uh, rock fragmentation analysis for example which mm. has a significant uh, downstream impact, yeah. Of, uh, you know, crushing, grinding, and, and loading and hauling. So uh, then, the other the other focus of that project was uh, on uh, monitoring the uh, the the, the uh, pit slopes as well. So uh, trying to do some sort of design compliance, uh, like what's been build versus what's what what's been designed in terms of the slope uh, and getting some some structural uh, structural data analysis like uh, the, the understanding the uh, the size and orientation of major joints on, on the pit walls which is right now it's a, it's a very manual manual thing you know yeah yeah we are collecting this data in in, in mice uh, the other application was uh, the one that that uh, you mentioned so in uh, in 2018 when I was uh, in sabbatical, I worked uh, I worked with Ken Russ Gold uh, on 
trying to to implement this uh, UAV technology in uh, like do it in a more advanced way in in one of their mines, and we we decided to do it at Bald Mountain. So, and one of the application was was uh, basically for monitoring the hull roads, as you know the. Uh, the quality of hull roads has a significant impact on on mine operations uh, in terms of the uh, the cost of uh, uh, basically uh, the the loading and hauling. Uh, it has an impact on productivity, on safety. Yeah, uh, yeah, tire wear. Tire wear, exactly. So yeah. The equipment efficiency, uh, utilization, availability, uh, fuel consumption. So mm-hmm. you, you, could, you can name lots of them. Yeah, so, cycle time, yeah. Cycle time, absolutely. So uh, what we notice is that the this process of the hull road monitoring is very uh, manual, like uh, once, and, and very intermittent. So uh, once every month, uh, a team of the uh, senior mine uh, man, kind of managers, they, they, they get together and they, 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 they drive through the, uh, the main hall roads in the mine and they, they uh, look at the, uh, the uh, quality of the roads and uh, they, have a, they have a kind of uh, certain items to, to check but it's very subjective. It's very subjective, and and, and it represents the quality of road at the time of the visit. So it's not something yeah. that that could be done continuously yep. during during the shifts or during the day, so that you provide a constant feedback to your operators, so that uh, basically where it requires to be. Uh, Graded, uh, where it needs to, to be maintained, basically, which area of the road need maintenance or repair, where you see this uh, potholes, where you see the uh, rock spillage on the road surface uh, that needs to be cleaned up. So, uh, and on top of that, uh, inspections in terms of the, uh, the, uh, the road design, like as built road design, such oh, as cur- yep. Yep. Cur- curves. The uh, the uh, uh, gradients, the uh, the super elevations, so all of them, you know, it's it's very important to to be checked and make sure that uh, you know they've been they are they are complying with the uh, with the uh, with the design, and uh, otherwise they they will have uh, safety impact on the uh, on the uh, mine. So that's why uh, I thought uh, that would be a very good good application. Like uh, it's very fast. First of all, it took uh, like for a, that uh, in this study you see a, it's about 1.2 kilometer of road. It took a very you know short time to to fly over the road. Mm-hmm. Although all the uh, post processing was done offline, but we are yeah. thinking uh, on kind of real time onboard data processing as well, mm-hmm. which which can make it even much faster. Yeah. And uh, right away, uh, you can the information can be communicated with the uh, with the crew in terms of where it needs to be uh, repaired, where it needs to be uh, maintained, and, and so on. So uh, I think that's a, that's a very good applications of the, uh, the technology, basically. 
Yeah, that that that's really interesting. What 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 were your major findings from that uh, test? Uh, so I think the, the major finding was that you can you can uh, do a, a very objective measure of your 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 road design. Like uh, you can you can measure it, and see what's been built actually, and uh, you can look at the quality of the road. Uh, you know, with 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 naked eye, uh, it is it is difficult to to just you know. Get this this quality and and, and measure this this the quality of, of what's been built and uh, with this I think the, the the good thing is that with this remote sensing techniques you you can definitely you can measure the thing so therefore you can you can optimize it so you can easily identify the uh, the area of the road that has a you know a, that that's very bumpy. You can identify the the areas that you know the, the, the curves are not right. So, or the, the you can identify the width of the road if, if it's not standard and it's not safe for the trucks to to to, uh, to travel. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it with without this this technology, it's it's almost Im, Im, impossible to to have someone to go and do all these measurements manually. For you. Right. So, and it's fast. It's on demand. It's safe. There is no interruption with the uh, of the, uh, the the whole process, so the trucks can move still on the road. The the uh, the, the graders still can 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 basically clean up the road. But while you are flying over the uh, the, the road and and collecting your data, and that could be done uh, during the shift several times, so or or once every time. Uh, once uh, during each shift, and and then the information could be uh, could be communicated with the uh, with the foreman of the uh, the shift, so so that they can they can identify those uh, critical areas. Yeah, interesting. There's getting to be more and more uh, call or interest for what I'll just call drones at mine sites. And based on a previous conversation, I know that you can uh pre-program flights into these things like for example if you wanted to have a flight of your tailings facility at noon every day exactly yeah the drone takes off does its survey comes back to its base and gets its battery charged and it could do the same thing with haul roads it goes up and down the haul roads once or twice a day Exactly, because you are not changing the haul roads, and and uh, it's the same same place. Uh, you just uh, you you have created a flight plan, and uh, basically your drone flies yeah. uh, automatically and, and and goes cover the same area. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, it is possible to also do the post processing uh, much faster uh, online, actually. So uh, to be to be able to provide feedback uh, to the site operations uh, with minimal delay. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It, it, it seems like a minor thing that uh, 20 or 30 trucks might have to slow down more than normal on a curve or a rough road or something like that, but it could, Absolutely. even just in a day's time, it might, it might cause um, one or two truck trips to be delayed until the next shift and and so one or two truck trips could be quite a bit of profit lost oh, so, absolutely absolutely you know, yeah absolutely. and these that. these are easy 
you know this can be easily fixed uh, if if you have uh, good information about the uh, the road quality mm-hmm. so do you see a, a big future for this kind of thing or I, I guess i would say other than the appearance in mining engineering magazine which is a really good uh, technical resource and read by a lot of people is there other avenues that you're planning to get this news out in front of people uh, yes, yeah, uh, we we have published uh, uh, most of our works in in different kind of uh, you know uh, journals or, or conference proceedings. Uh, yeah. So and uh, as I mentioned, this is one of the application. Uh, they have they have been we have worked on different type of applications for for drone technology. One of them was just recently published in a, in in a journal of remote sensing. Uh, it's on. Uh, it's about uh, monitoring uh, uh, heat leach uh, facilities uh, to control the uh, moisture, uh, oh. moisture distribution on on heat leach pads. Oh, that's that's funny. I'm also familiar with that article. I just didn't recognize the uh, the the authorship was the same. Exactly. So we published that one in uh, the uh, uh, mining metallurgy and, and exploration, but yeah. uh, the one that that just today published in Remote Sensing Journal is about how we can use uh, convolutional neural network, the deep learning, uh, to quickly process these uh, images that we get from the drone. Yeah. Which what we did, uh, we had a, a dual gimbal. Uh, basically drone with uh, that so the drone was equipped with uh, an RGB camera and a thermal camera and yeah. uh, we kind of fused the, uh, the, the the images with each other in order to get the uh, uh, a relationship between the, uh, the those uh, those thermal images and the uh, the, the uh, moisture content on the soil and uh, and how this information could could be used to generate a, a moisture map of the heat leach very mm-hmm. quickly uh, and uh, how this information could uh, could provide a feedback to the uh, the uh, heat leach operators in terms of con- better control of the uh, the uh, sprinklers and solution distribution over the heat leach path yeah, because that's... as you know it's it's you know we are talking about toxic uh, solutions here and it's it's uh, it's very very uh, difficult when you do these things manually we are talking about large large areas to cover like hectares oh yeah for sure so that's why i think this is the best way of using this technology yeah no that's really pretty interesting and and uh, sounds very useful as well Absolutely, absolutely. The other application, again, as I mentioned, uh, that's been again uh, developed is uh, the uh, rock fragmentation analysis. Oh yeah. So uh, we uh, we also we we developed a, uh, a machine learning code for that, to, so that uh, as soon as we get the uh, the image data from from the uh, from the drone, we put these images through this uh, this uh, deep learning code, and and we get the uh, the rock fragmentation analysis uh, in in a second, basically. So for that, we got lots of images uh, from rock frag rock fragmentation in different uh, light conditions, in different uh, texture condition. Uh, all has been uh, processed, and uh, that's how we we develop this uh, 
this uh, deep learning code, which is called DeepFrag, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, it it allows us to very quickly do the uh, the, the fragmentation analysis, which cr currently many mining operations they just do it very you know in very some like sometimes uh, very intermittently. So it's it's it helps this operation to do it uh, you know more often i could say and uh, and uh, it, it provides an opportunity to to optimize their their blasting because it has a significant impact on on the on the energy consumption in the downstream process yeah for sure for sure it's 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 so nice for me so one of the reasons i have this podcast is so that i can get a little bit smarter every day and and in that uh, regard, you've helped me get a little bit smarter today. But it, it's also really nice to see all this innovation that's going on in mining. A lot of people think there is no real innovation, but there there is a lot of innovation on almost every single aspect of mining, and it's really encouraging. Absolutely. And uh, currently, uh, I'm working with, uh, again, uh, some other uh, industry partners on further developing this technology for with other basically putting other type of sensors in in, in drones uh, in order to be able to uh if particularly in active active mines mine sites um, because there, there are there, there there has been some other applications for drones like in explorations in geology yeah. or you know but, but my focus is is mainly on on operating mine sites so yeah how the drone technology could could help us with that yeah you know it's interesting just a few years ago people would think about a drone and say what can you that's great but what can you use it for and now the question is turned around and the, the real question is what can't you use it for absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no and and they, they become you know uh, better and better every day you know it's uh, in terms of the uh, uh the cost uh, they are getting cheaper and cheaper they are lighter they can they, they, they can they can have a higher payload capacity now you can connect any kind of any type of sensors to them and uh, uh, in terms of battery lifetime they, they become even better yeah 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 well Cameron we've covered a lot of material today and I think you've covered all the questions that I've had for you was there anything else you wanted to share with us no, I think uh, it was a pleasure to uh, uh, to uh, discuss all this uh, this uh, different uh, research works that we have done here. So uh, yeah, the, the yeah the pleasure was all mine, Cameron. And uh, before I say goodbye to you, is there any uh, words of wisdom or, or parting um, things to share with us? Oh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, I. Uh, what I think is that uh, like uh, it, it can happen in I think in anyone's uh, life but uh, you know a, a balance between uh, work and family I think it's uh, it's very important to to maintain uh, particularly when when you're young <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's an that's a message I could I could say <laughs> yeah that's that's a very good one and when I had a young family, I was traveling a lot and I missed out on a lot of family time, but it made me treasure the times that we did have together. So it's, that's very, 
that's true and and we i i i just i was able to to realize this when during this pandemic when i spend much more time with my family basically yeah uh, yeah you see how 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 different it is (laughs) yeah that that's been one very positive thing about it is it gives you that that's absolutely right yeah yeah well cameron i appreciate your time today and i know you've got a busy day and i will let you get back to it once again i really appreciate it and if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, I'll put that in the show notes of, of this uh, podcast and that you might get some more people contacting you about possible drone use at their sites. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Brian. Thank you so much for, for having me. And uh, you, 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 can, you can have my, you have, I think, my, my email address. Yeah, sure do. It's in the article. and. Uh, sure. Yeah, and I'll probably put a link to the full paper in that uh, in the show notes as well. Perfect. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks again. Yeah. Have a great day. Have a good day. Yeah. You, you too. too. Bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rocking.